Howdy, y'all, and welcome to The Daily Grind with your host, John Spencer. Grab a mug of your favorite brew and join me and my sister, Carla, and then get ready to brew your brain, sharpen your wit, and enrich your faith. We'll give you the rundown on today's date, share some interesting historical facts, and then toss out a few random musings just to get your brain gears turning. Plus, I'll offer up some thoughts to ponder on your walk with Jesus. So let's get this show on the road. Hey, good morning, Carla. Good morning, John. All right, it's Monday. Whole new week. First week in November. Full week, oh. that is. It's Monday, <laughs> November 6th. And on this day in history, in 1789, Pope Pius VI appointed Father John Carroll as the first Catholic bishop in the United States. I didn't realize that. And he later also went on to found Georgetown University. Okay. Interesting. Now, in 1860, on this date, Abraham Lincoln was elected the 16th president of the United States. Oh, my goodness. And his election prompted seven southern states to form the Confederacy before he took office. And then a year later on this date, Jefferson Davis was elected to a six-year term. And talk about having overconfidence. <laughs> As Confederate president. After the war, Davis was captured. He was accused of treason, but he was never tried. And he was released after being held in captivity for two years. I didn't realize. There's so much of this I don't know. I think I know history. And then turns out, I don't know. This is now, so helpful on, to me. On this date in 1869, the first intercollegiate football, however, they meant soccer. It was the global <laughs> football. <laughs> Game was played between Rutgers and Princeton. Oh. And Rutgers won six to four. Um, there were two games that season, and each team won one game. Because <laughs> in in the in the late 19th century, uh American football really looked a lot more like rugby than it did football. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and on this date in 1947. Meet the Press premiered on NBC. Oh, okay. 1947. It's been around a long time. 1946. That show has been around for a while. And it actually began as a radio show in 1945. Okay. But it's been televised since 1947. On this date in 1983, Will Byers disappeared in Hawkins, Indiana. That'll only mean if means something if you watch Stranger Things. Okay, because I was about to go, mm, I don't remember Will Byers. I don't know what we're talking about. Fiction, yeah. That was, <laughs> okay. that was set in the 80s. Um, and on this date in 1967, the Phil Donahue show premiered. Oh, my goodness. I watched and that by show. Ni- yeah, by 1970, it was national. And it became the first talk show as we know them today. November 6th, Carla, is Marooned Without a Compass Day. Oh, I, I think that should be a never day. <laughs> Why would we do that? Wow, well, yeah. Oh. I, ooh, that's tough. But on a broader side, it is National Nachos Day. Okay. Um, I'll, I can support that. <laughs> I'm all in on Nacho Day. It is also National Saxophone Day. Okay. And it is 
November 6th is the International Day for Preventing the Exploitation of the Environment in War and Armed Conflict. Okay. I, the I, IDPEEWAC. I don't know what you. It is so good that you're here to <laughs> educate the rest of us. <laughs> I feel so enlightened. Yeah, because in war, oh. let's not worry about humans, but we do want to make sure that we don't exploit the environment. Environment. <laughs> so now it's that time on the day of the ground to sharpen your wit. So. Carla, I have always been kind of a fan of entomology, uh, not entomology, the study of words, but entomology, the, I mean, bugs, <laughs> not entomology, the study of insects, but entomology, the origin of phrases, words, stuff like that. I don't think this is really true, but it struck me the other day that the word politics, if you break that down, poly yes, many. is Latin for many. Mm-hmm. And then ticks are blood-sucking <laughs> parasites. There so you if you go. have a lot of blood-sucking parasites, that's politics. Politics. <laughs> Ooh. Teddy Roosevelt, our 26th U.S. president, who not only had the teddy bear named after him, was the youngest person to ever hold the office. Oh. He was vice president when... A U.S. president was assassinated. I didn't realize that. Yeah, McKinley. Yeah. And he was the first president to ride in a car in 1902. How about that? How about that? Teddy. 270 scientists re-ran 100 studies that were published in the top psychology journals in 2008. And only half of the studies could be replicated successfully. I was, mm, I have many questions. How about that? I know, that would just makes you want to go, wow, just because somebody says something. You mm-hmm. Really, mm-hmm. I just, I found this quote and I liked it by Gary Borthwick. Knowledge is half the battle. The application of knowledge is the other half. Oh, yes. Yeah, I think that really equals to wisdom. Yes, you can... Yes. So in 2013, yeah, this is tragic. The world's oldest, no, oldest known creature, Ming the Mollusk, Uh-oh. 507 years <gasps> old. What? Was minding his own business in a lab somewhere, and somebody mistakenly killed him in no. a science experiment. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> 507. <sighs> and it was an accident? Yeah, wasn't on purpose. Oh. He was mistakenly killed. So he, he could still be around today. Wow. I didn't uh, know we yeah. had anything that could live. Uh, yeah. yeah. That, or like okay. like lit like not a tree or something. Yeah. Mollusk. Yeah. yeah. So Kind of adjacent to that, the third leading cause of death in America behind heart disease, which is number one, and cancer, which is number two, is medical error. Oh, that's depressing. Claims claims 251,000 lives each year. I know, but I was thinking of being the mollusk, and I was just curious about it. Yeah, each year. So, um, So, yeah, medical error 
kills more people every year than respiratory disease, accidents, stroke, and Alzheimer's. Ooh, that's terrible. I know. That is. When you think about it, Carla, anyone could be the disputed world heavyweight champion of the world. <laughs> I think I might just be that today. I can just be that today. <laughs> I mean, sure, it's dispute. I'm the disputed heavyweight champion. <laughs> <laughs> never considered that anyone could be it's disputable yeah it's disputed now yeah only one person could be the undisputed but anybody could be the disputed yeah hey a group of armadillos oh, no. yes. is called a roll a roll a roll of armadillos r-o-l-l roll r-o-l-l yeah roll of armadillos okay Rolling, yeah. rolling, rolling. There they go. They oh. Roll up. There you go. <laughs> and here's an interesting armadillo fact. Nearly armadillos nearly always give birth to identical quadruplets. Are you kidding me? Nope. Four armadillos at a time? Yeah. That are all identical. identical. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that I would have a hard time differentiating one armadillo from another. <laughs> They all look this to me. <laughs> yeah. But like yeah, four. Four, four, four identical quadruplets. Quadruplets. Wow. Quadruplets. Yeah. There you okay. go. And now it's that time on the Daily Grind to enrich your faith. We've been going through Richard Foster's book, Celebration of Discipline. So this is the ninth week, which means we're on chapter nine. And this chapter is about the spiritual practice of confession. Confession is really an important part of following Jesus. It's a way for us to connect with God's grace and mercy. It helps us find forgiveness and healing for mistakes and pain from our past. And confession is what really gives us freedom. When we confess, we experience both forgiveness and healing. Forgiveness makes things right between us and God, mends that relationship, and healing helps us move on from our past and not be controlled by it anymore. And both of these are made possible by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. I mean, without that, confession would just be a psychological exercise. At first, confession, you hear that? may seem a little scary. But Foster starts by sharing some important truths. He begins with, At the heart of God is the desire to give and to forgive. That is just who God is. The whole idea of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is kind of a big mystery. And it's at the core of God's plan. And people have come up with all sorts of fancy theories to try to understand it, like the ransom theory or the satisfaction theory or the substitutionary theory and more. The canons of Dort sum it up as this. The death of the Son of God is the only and most perfect sacrifice and satisfaction for sins of infinite value and worth abundantly enough to cover the sins of the whole world. I mean, that idea helps us get it a bit, but I'm telling you, it's still a mystery. But what we do know is that Jesus, while on the cross, somehow took all the sins and all the bad stuff from all of humanity and he made it right. Even though Jesus had a perfect relationship with God, on the cross, he became the embodiment of sin. Paul explained it by saying, for our sake, God made him to be sin 
even though he had never sinned, so that through him we could become the righteousness of God. We might not completely understand how it happened, but maybe it's just a moment for us to not try to dissect it and simply praise and worship God for what he's done. In this chapter, Foster outlines two types of confession, and we'll look at both of them. The first is corporate confession, and it reminds us that we're all human, prone to sin. We shouldn't feel inferior to others. Instead, we need to realize we're part of a community of saints who sin. We're all in it together. It puts us on a level playing field and ideally leaves us no room for judgment. God has given his followers fellowship to help us so that we can share our burdens as one another in Christian community. For corporate confession, you need to find someone you trust and who follows Jesus and share your burdens and struggles with them. If you find it hard to open up, you could try a couple of exercises. Reflect on different life stages that you've with God. Now, private confession is the other form. It's a lot simpler. It's about regularly confessing your sins and seeking forgiveness from God directly. Don't underestimate its importance, even if it seems less intimidating. So to summarize, Foster outlines four key principles of confession. One, be specific when confessing. Don't generalize your sins. Address them individually. Be brutally honest about them. People came to Jesus with their specific sins, and so we should too. Two, express genuine sorrow over your sins. Acknowledging that you've strayed from God's heart, that you haven't been living the life of Christ. And it doesn't mean that you dwell on your mistakes. It's not having a pity party, but it's having a healthy regret for knowing that our actions have offended God. Third, make a determined effort to avoid sin. Confession aims to free you from your past sins and instill a desire for a holy life. But remember, you can't do it alone. You need God's strength. Apart from him, you're not going to be able to do it. And four, ultimately, confession should lead to joy and a life aligned with the Father. When it's done sincerely, it brings a sense of fulfillment and happiness. It's not a matter of just holding on to it and kind of worrying over it and and just thinking that you're confessing when you're just talking about it all the time. It's about turning it over to God, turning away from it in repentance. And in that, you find joy and peace and fulfillment. So hopefully that helps you understand confession a little bit better. And here's some ways that you can get started practically. One, reach out to a trusted friend. Ask them to join you in this practice and reflect and pray before sharing your struggles. It can bring a sense of freedom. And then spend some time alone. Write down the things that make you feel guilty. Pray over them. And then tear the paper into pieces to symbolically let go of your sin. And third, spend time in prayer, just being in God's presence and take the first step by confessing your sins and acknowledging forgiveness. So remember, if we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. As usual, I will put... Richard Foster's recommended daily scripture readings for this week to explore confession. 
And they'll cover things like the need for confession and forgiveness, the promise of forgiveness, the assurance of forgiveness, how Jesus is our adequate savior, mediator, and advocate. There's a parable of confession in there, the authority and forgiveness, and the ministry of true Christian fellowship. I am so grateful that you chose to spend time here on The Daily Grind, and I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. God, it is good to know that you are faithful and that you will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we confess them. That is just nearly too amazing to grasp.